This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to our Thursday, April 9th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. I hope you all are out there staying well, staying healthy, uh, staying six feet apart from everybody <laughs> except for your immediate family, and just uh, just helping and doing your part, uh, flattening the curve. I know uh, myself and Steve, I think we go to the, in the office about one day a week now, work from home mainly, but uh, it's definitely been an interesting time and it continues to be, and there's a lot of moving parts uh, in the market, especially in today, a lot moving down, which would be employment, right? You have uh, over the last three weeks, unemployment claims, I think I added it up. It was about 16.8 million unemployment claims. Our working age population is somewhere a little over 200 million. So that right there is somewhere around uh, 8-ish, 9% of our working population. And so that's something that will be be watched to see how much that continues to grow uh, throughout uh, the rest of this uh, this month right because we're we're probably going to be in the similar situation at least through the balance of this month and that means more and more layoffs and uh, unemployment rate probably reaching 20-ish percent is uh, my guess and now uh, the majority of those people are going to be hired back once we do kind of open up um, but some of them might not right you're probably going to have a big swath come initially and then kind of slowly companies getting back to rehiring some of their workers. I know they, there's, I forgot who I talked to. It was somebody who uh, was talking about certain industry. I can't remember what industry it was, but they were saying they laid off all of their workers or furloughed their workers for three months because unemployment claims are, our employment benefits based on the legislation are going to go out three months. So they're not hiring those people back until September. September 1st. So a lot of those people are going to be on unemployment, still making, you know, a decent amount of money in order to, uh, you know, pay their bills and such, but they're probably not going to be out there spending a lot. Uh, and certainly there's going to be some demand destruction uh, for people that are a little bit more worried uh, about, uh, you know, the spread catching it, especially if you're older. So it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, our economy recovers. Now, the Fed balance sheet, the spending by corporate or by, by the government uh, to help corporations, to help individuals, Individuals, uh, definitely more on the corporate side than individuals, but it's uh, it's pretty staggering. It's a, a lot of money, trillions and trillions of dollars. Uh, Fed just announced today they're they're putting 2.2 trillion in to support small businesses. Uh, they're talking about uh, more money for the corporate bond market, so that got a big uh, jump today. So a lot of mixing tailwinds. You know, it's kind of it's kind of a hurricane out there, right? From uh, winds going each direction, both uh, strongly negative and strongly positive and and it's it's really hard to figure out exactly how that's going to uh eventually play out right uh whether we get back to new highs or we roll back over now from a technical perspective we are back 
kind of uh, right where I, I expected us to bounce to in this area. Uh, and if you look at the NYSE, this we're very close to the back test of the uptrend line from just the bull market in general. And in the last two bull markets, we had that where, or sorry, bear markets, you had that where you broke that uptrend line, retested that uh, that that uptrend line, and then we failed. So it'll be very interesting over the next few, couple weeks to see do we get decidedly above this. Now it's still a couple percent, two three percent higher from where we closed today. But um, you know, so we have a little leeway before we get back above that from. from from a technical perspective, there's a lot of now overhead resistance. I think the easy money on this uh, this bear market bounce has been made, and this is a time where you want to unload a little bit of your risk uh, into and into this uh, this rally. Now, certainly, we could eventually break out, especially if we get some sort of medical breakthrough. Uh, I'm not expecting that, but that's certainly possible. And you have the brains of the world really coalescing around this problem and trying to solve it uh you know anything can happen you know the human ingenuity human mind is pretty amazing and you just never know where a a cure a vaccine a treatment could really come from so um definitely a lot of volatility and once again volatility is both ways we've seen that so far since uh the end of february and you know your job our job is to identify the opportunities and sometimes the opportunity is to sell right it's not always to buy sometimes it's to sell and on this rally i think it's uh, this is a time where you reassess balance sheets like i've been saying look at companies that are non-cyclical that are going to be able to come out the other end of this in a much better position right to buy up businesses that are maybe down on their luck because they're under the weight of a lot of debt. Private equity is a big, uh, a big problem here. You know, the, the misallocation of capital in the last 10 years has really been driven by private equity, leveraging up balance sheets in the private sector. A lot of these companies are not public. They're, they're, they're private. And so um, you're, you're going to see a lot of fallout there. And I think there's a, that's going to be interesting to see how the Federal Reserve, how Congress treats that side of the, the economy, because there's a lot of jobs at stake on that front as well. So definitely a lot of talk, a lot to talk about today. But ultimately, our job here is to help you become a better investor. And so our goal is to help you achieve financial freedom, whatever that means for you, and help you understand the pros and cons of every investment. You have to look at the pros and cons of everything. And that's what we're going to do uh, today and, and going forward. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will call me in this hour with your invest your, your questions. Now, the Invest Talk radio program and podcast can help you become a better investor. And that's one way Steve and I do that is by implementing a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. Now, that's why we're different from other investment advisors, and I think that's why we're getting we're getting an influx of calls. I mean, Steve and I over the past two or three weeks are getting just massive amount of phone calls, new clients. It's it's, it's exciting for us that we can help so many people, um, but very interesting to see you know people are are seeing that you can't just index anymore. You have to be a little bit more strategic in this particular uh, environment. So we want to hear from you. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let's get through to Gary in New Jersey. He's looking at RUT. I'm assuming that's the Russell 2000, correct? Uh, for taking my call, Justin. Um, I just had a question. Is this a good time? I'm starting to watch um, the Russell 2000, maybe something like VTWO, maybe wait for a dip. Um, I'm not sure what your thoughts would be on that one. Thank you. 
uh, to buy, I'm assuming? To buy, correct. Yeah, I don't have a position uh, right now. Yeah, actually, so we, we, I actually added a little, I've been legging, I legged into a short on one of our programs in small caps yesterday, added a little bit today. I think, you know, the goal here is to kind of leg in into the strength. And I think that's an area that's a clear short. So to short it, yeah, I love to short it, uh, but absolutely would not be buying it. Thanks for the call, Gary. Like I said, you know, the major indexes are really moving into some 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 major uh, resistance here. Uh, both the Russell, you're into the 382 retrace on the Russell. Uh, you're into the 50% retrace uh, from the high on the S&P. And uh, I believe the NASDAQ, which was actually not up that much today, is, let's see, I think we're at the 50% retrace on that one. Yeah, same thing. So depending on the indexes and the Russell has been weaker than the other two, right? The stronger bounce have been in the larger caps, the uh, the, the, the S&P and the, and the NASDAQ. And this shows you that relative weakness. And you don't want to see that if you are a, a bull. Now, it does that mean we can't go higher? Absolutely. With the amount of stimulus that's out there from the Federal Reserve, from uh, from Congress, it's certainly a potential. Um, but you're you're dealing with uh, the face in the face of hurricane economic winds, right? In the face of all that stimulus, and that's really the issue here: is that liquidity pumping enough to to stave off uh, a further downturn in the markets? And I'm not convinced of that yet. I think we need to get through the next five-ish uh, percent on the indexes, and if we can push up five, six percent and close there at the end of a particular week, then I'll be more convinced that this is anything more than a counter trend rally. Uh, and so far, that's my read on it, and that's the way we're treating it. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you have to be prepared for market volatility, and that's why you need to make sure your portfolio is strategically balanced especially in times like this with volatility picking up. So Talk listeners are invited to contact myself or Steve for one-on-one personalized portfolio review sessions. And we can do that uh, via telephone. We also use um, GoToConnect. That's what we're using right now to connect with people. Skype, we can do it that way as well. So there's no reason to postpone any longer. These are no-cost portfolio review consultations. So you can reach out to us anytime at investtalk.com. But now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced millions of people to stay home, which is getting in the way of everyone's normal exercise routine. Gyms are closed, people are stuck inside, and tightness and stiffness are afflicting us all. This is the perfect time to focus on your personal health and wellness. And I know you have heard me say this before, but recently I discovered this great product to reduce my pain and stiffness caused by sitting too long at my desk doing research and talking to clients. It has 13 all-natural ingredients and is sold in hundreds of doctor's offices, pharmacies, and gyms, and spas throughout the country. This muscle rub made by Quanta, a publicly traded applied science company, has patented technology proven to supercharge key ingredients and make them perform five times more effectively within the human body. It is optimized to drastically reduce both pain and inflammation naturally. I know this sounds too good to be true, but they have the white papers to prove it. I use their various health and wellness products every day and find a host of different benefits. Additionally, for a limited time, listeners of our program can receive promotional discount pricing at buyquanta.com. Use the promo code INVEST to save 20% 
on your first order. In fact, Quanta is so highly confident you'll be pleased with their products. That's why they offer a money-back guarantee if you aren't satisfied with the results. Again, simply use the code INVEST to save 20% at buyquanta.com. B-U-Y-Q-U-A-N-T-A.com. April is National Literacy Month. It was created to highlight the importance of financial literacy. The objective is to teach Americans how to establish and maintain healthy financial habits. And you are already on the right track by listening to Invest Talk. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions now. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Andre in Los Angeles. He wants to talk about the market and the economy. Hello? Andre, you there? Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? Yep, yep. What's your question? Oh, yeah. So I, I have a question. Um, so I'm wondering with the, the recent uh, gains in the market, do you think it would be a good idea to maybe get out of some positions that have come back or take some gains on positions? My thinking is if uh, people have been out of work and businesses have been shut down for this long and they're going to continue to be like that, isn't that all almost not guaranteed, but most likely we're going to be in a recession and the market's probably going to dip again. Well, I don't know. I'm just curious well, for you. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I've been saying. You know, that we hit major support a couple weeks ago and we had kind of an A, B, C pattern leg higher where we had the initial surge, a little few day pullback, and now we had this surge again uh, into a lot of resistance. And, you know, we're using this time to lighten up on positions and, and yes, get out of things that maybe we were wishing we got out of uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and just focusing, once again, on balance sheets, companies that are non-cyclical. If you own companies who have stretched balance sheets that have cyclical businesses and are going to you know, take a 10 20% hit in profits and, and, and revenue in this environment, uh, which most cyclical businesses are, uh, then you, you know, the, this is an opportunity to lighten up on those, those names. And you're right. It's not that we're going to be in a recession. We're in a recession. This is there's there's no if ands or but it buts about it. We're in a recession. Morgan Stanley is looking at a thirty percent decline in GDP in the second quarter. We're in a recession, whether that's a one percent or thirty percent drop in GDP. It's 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 a decline now. Obviously, next quarter will be stronger once we kind of get back to work. But we know there's going to be some sort of a hangover and. When you're looking at GDP contraction, you're looking year over year. So that's going to contract again in the second, in the third quarter, excuse me. And we may even have a first quarter GDP contraction. That hasn't come out uh, either. So we'll learn about that at the end of this month. Um, so we're definitely in a recession. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It's just how much economic damage there is and what the duration of the economic damage is going to be. It's certainly a recession. And there's going to be a decline in earnings for corporations in, in, in 2020. It's just, what's the magnitude? Is it 10%? Is it 30%? Is it 70%? It's still yet to be seen. It's yet to be seen when we finally get back to work, what percentage of businesses get back to work. Remember, uh, you know, the, the West Coast and East Coast uh, epicenters, 
we shut down, you know, California, New York, we shut down a lot earlier than states like California, or sorry, uh, like Florida, Missouri, uh, many other kind of Midwest states. Some are still not even, don't even have stay-at-home orders. So those are going to take longer to get back online. So there's definitely a staging process to get us back to where we were. And it's probably many, many quarters, probably through, uh, definitely through this year, probably into 2021 uh, before we get really back to a normal economy. And that might even last through next year as well. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday, and it broadcasts and streams live in the four o'clock Pacific time hour. And whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to contact myself or Steve Peasley at KPP Financial. Our number is 800-557-5461. That's our direct line to our office, or you can explore our podcast library at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. It's Thursday, and you are listening to Invest Talk. The coronavirus pandemic has had a major impact on our economy and the stock market. This means you'll have serious finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here now, and he's ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. This is Tyler from Michigan. I'm a new investor and new to listening to your show. I'm curious what your position is on cryptocurrency, more specifically the affordable one of D-O-G-E. Not sure how it's pronounced. I think it's dog. But I'm curious to see what you guys think about those. And I'm glad I found your guys' show. Thanks. All right. Uh, well, if you just found the show, we haven't talked about cryptocurrency in a little while, but I, I did a big show uh, a, year, a couple of years ago and Bitcoin was taking off, you know, it was uh, 18,000 or something like that. Now it's around 7,000. But basically, uh, my take was cryptocurrencies, I think, are in their infancy. And they have a long, long, long road to become something that is viable in our our space uh, for transacting and being an actual currency in in the world. Okay, and if you're going to pick one that may actually that may actually happen, is that would be Bitcoin uh, because it's supply is capped. Um, now, that doesn't mean Bitcoin is going to be the cryptocurrency when we do use cryptocurrencies 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now. And I really think it could be that many years down the line. You know, I look at cryptocurrency a lot like the internet back in the 40s and 50s. Uh, we could, we, we knew how to send data uh, back then in those government uh, and university-led projects, but there was no unified uh, protocol, uh, and today we call it TCIP, and in, in, for the internet. And there's no unified protocol for cryptocurrencies except for maybe Bitcoin. But you have all these other little ones, and then you get down to what your question was about Dogecoin, D-O-G-E, and you said is the more affordable one, the point zero zero two cents. So, um, and this goes back to buying penny stocks, right? Most people don't understand, but most stocks trading below $5 a share are way more expensive than those stocks that are trading above $500 a share because it's in relation to uh, its, its value and cash flow and, and, the, and the utility of the company, right? Whereas these cryptocurrencies, the same thing. What's the utility of the cryptocurrency? And there's a reason that this is trading so at such a low price. Uh, and I'll read exactly what it is because this is actually very, very funny. It just shows you the... 
the comical nature of so many of these uh, alt, what we call altcoins. So D- Dodge or Dodge is a Litecoin fork. Uh, fork if is something basically it's an offshoot of a of a, another cryptocurrency. which is in this case Litecoin and the founders hope to create a fun cryptocurrency and reach a wider demographic than Bitcoin and they originally had capped the supply at 100 billion Dogecoins but then they decided to uncap it shocking Uh, and so this is just an example of these altcoins that you don't know who's really controlling them or dealing with them and they they just become funny money really because Guess what? The supply is uncapped, which cryptocurrency, or at least Bitcoin, is supposed to be capped at certain supply. And that gives it sound, the, the, the argument is that it's sound money, that you're not able to just print it out of thin air like fiat currency. It has a, it has a finite supply. And so a lot of these crypto, all these alt cryptocurrencies are similar to this Dogecoin. And it just shows you how ridiculous they are. Uh, and so stay away from it and understand that it's trading that that value for a reason. You're not getting something that's cheap. You're probably getting something that's very expensive because it's le- worth, worth less than 0.002 cents. Far less. It's really worth 0. 0.0000000. So I hope that helps everybody understand. At least my position on the cryptocurrencies and i think eventually you know the the cryptocurrency we use is probably going to be backed by some government entity i'm sorry uh, that's just the the way it is governments want control of the money and i think eventually they will but i rather own out of all this i just rather own gold gold has monetary history it's finite you can't lose it uh, or i guess you could get stolen but you know you can't just lose your key or forget your password like uh, you know it's happened a lot with uh with bitcoin uh, they say about a quarter of bitcoin supply has been lost it's you know computers broke they forgot their password whatever um so uh, i i just rather own gold and especially gold miners and if you look at gdx today up to about 10 percent you can tell why i've loved the space for this long now after the break i'm going to get to my main talking point and it has to do with the payment protection program and the stimulus and this is part of the 2.2 trillion dollar stimulus bill that was throwing that's throwing a lifeline to some small businesses that need the money so i'm going to go over what companies qualify and how the rollout has gone guess what hasn't really gone that well. Uh, it's been difficult to understand the terms, been difficult to apply for the loans, and really uh, $1.8 billion has been applied for, and only $350 billion of that $2.2 trillion has been earmarked for small businesses. So it just shows you how little is going to them. Uh, and banks need more clarity on the program, and business owners also. Uh, and what conditions mean that they get to be forgiven uh there's just a lot up in the air with this and i think it's not doing the job it's supposed to because it's too opaque people companies don't really understand it uh well enough and the money's not going out fast enough i think that's the biggest issue here is hey companies need to pay payroll now and they have no income to pay that and so Really, this has been a failed program so far, and it needs to speed up a lot faster. Now, in the next Invest Talk, this story. The coronavirus effect could be far deeper than the subprime crisis. One mortgage company CEO is warning of dire straits in light of several of, of severe unemployment figures. And that story is tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Hey. 
At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial Consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where InvestTalk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Now, before the break, I was touching on the payment protection program and how it, it it's you know it's rolling out uh, pretty poorly to small businesses, and this is a program eligible to, for businesses with fewer than 500 employees and includes sole proprietorships, independent contractors, self-employed individuals, nonprofit organizations, as well as independent franchise owners, which is big in the restaurant space right now, right? Because there's so many uh, the, of these franchisees that have you know debt they they opened these restaurants with debt uh, and they need business and when they have to close they, they and they can't pay rent they can't really do anything uh to service those loans so that's a big problem there now you can uh, apply as of uh, april 3rd and you can borrow up to two and a half times the average monthly payroll, which includes uh, health insurance and retirement benefits as well. Uh, so that's pretty big. Now, about ten thousand of the of these dollars are probably going to be grants applied for as grants. So this is free money for a lot of small businesses, at least ten thousand dollars, and then. You can get up to $2 million in working capital uh, with a, a two-year loan uh, term when you, you pay it back at very low interest rates, about 3%. Uh, and actually, sorry, it's actually about 1% fixed loan. Uh, and it, the payments are deferred for six months. And you can, no prepayment penalty, so you can pay it back early, but you can doesn't mature for two years. Uh, and you, for forgiveness, some some 
companies will actually get this loan and have it forgiven if they keep staff on uh, at the same wages, same headcount, etc. And there's some stipulations to it. And even if it's forgiven, it's not actually taxable, which is pretty interesting as well. But the money just takes a little while for to get into these companies' pockets, and I think that's the big issue. It's so hard to pivot and move a big country and uh, uh, deploy this uh, fast, and uh, I think a lot of companies are probably going to get it a little too late. Let's go to Ken in Wisconsin. He wants to talk about oil. Yeah, I want to talk about, uh, kind of curious on what uh, you think about OPEC cutting the 10 million barrels and the effect it's going to have on the oil stocks and oil markets. Uh, well, I don't think it's going to have much at all. I think they, uh, this 10 million barrels is, is fabricated in a lot of ways. Um, uh, because it's more of, cause they, they basically a couple of weeks, maybe a month ago, I forgot when it actually fell out of bad oil, you know, the, the start of the, the market share war between Russia and Saudi Arabia, they basically, they were going to increase oil production. Well, they, they can't do that. Uh, and they actually haven't done it to a large degree because there's nowhere to send it because demand has fallen off, right? So they actually haven't been increasing their oil production. So a lot of this 10 million barrels is just uh, basically saying, oh, hey, uh, we were going to increase by 3 million. Now we're going to cut it by 3 million. And that's a cut. Well, no, you're just back to where you were before. Um, and so this 10 million de- barrel a day cut uh, is is kind of a, a do nothing. And you can see that with oil prices late in the day uh, uh, fell and rolled over. rolled over. So this... 10 million barrel is really just a headline and it doesn't actually equate to real cutting of oil supply. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call, Ken. Now, as regular listeners know, Steve and I make it a practice to get as many caller questions in as possible in each show. So let's go to our voice bank now. And this question came in earlier on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Ashton from Montclair. And I wanted to thank you for a great and very informative show you guys have been providing us. One of my questions is, I've been listening to you for a while, and um, I know Justin has been very bullish on uh, L Brands in the past, and due to this coronavirus and changes now in retail, I assume the balance sheet is different at this point. Should we be uh, just dumping the stock and taking a loss at this point? Please let us know. Thank you. All right, well, they uh, sold Victoria's Secret to uh, private equity and kept a 49% share, and uh, I think that's what it was needed. I think uh, the, the management there didn't know how to utilize that brand properly, so I think uh, that is a positive change. Now, they kind of sold it at a fire sale price, so I don't like that, uh, and that leaves Bath & Body Works, which is uh, has been doing very, very well and growing you know, about low teens in, in revenue over the past few years uh, and has really grown uh, as a percentage of L brands, uh, a much higher percentage than it used to be. It used to be, you know, 70, 80% Victoria's Secret. Now it's more like uh, 60, 40% Victoria's Secret. But now obviously Victoria's Secret sold off and, you know, they, they're going to have a, a, a stake in that, 49% stake. So I think that's a, a positive. But once again, it's a, it's a value play. I think that unlocking the value of Victoria's Secret just need, needed new management and and this is the best way, at least this is the way that they went. I don't know if it's the best way to go. I think they should have gotten rid of 
entire management team, kept the Victoria's Secret under L Brands completely, and uh, brought in somebody who knew what they were doing on that side, and clearly they didn't. So, um, you know, I, I still think it's a it's a good long term play, but any good long term play, sometimes you have to be patient for the management to unlock the value of Victoria's Secret, which I still think has tremendous, tremendous value. I'm Justin Klein, you're listening to Invest Talk, and obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experience market analysis. That's why you are here. So I encourage you to consider subscribing to our KPP Premium newsletter, written and distributed every single Friday. It's, it's a great newsletter, and, and you'll get valuable information such as market analysis for the week, portfolio management guidance, uh, some stock ideas, personal finance tips. It's all there every single weekday in your email or weekend, <laughs> sorry, every, every Friday in your email box, and you, subs- you can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions right now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to InvestTalk. We have an important schedule change to announce. Due to the coronavirus, Steve Peasley has canceled his April trips to Houston and Chicago. However, Steve is making appointments for his no-cost and no-obligation portfolio reviews via telephone consultation or two-way video Skype consultation. So you can reach out to Steve Peasley or Justin Klein now through investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's touch a little bit on DIP financing. Yes, DIP, and what it stands for, DIP, Debtor in Possession Loans. And this is pretty important in times like this because typically debtor in possession loans are done for uh, companies that are entering bankruptcy, Chapter 11 reorganization. And these debtor in possession loans allow companies to keep operating, right? Pay payroll, buy buy an inventory, etc., to keep the the company kind of going while the the company negotiates with creditors and, and the bankers and, and really tries to come out of bankruptcy with a better capital structure and typically a new capital structure. Uh, this is very important because a lot of companies over the next couple of years are going to go bankrupt. And a lot of people think when I say bankruptcy, they think companies go away. No. Not true. The majority of bankruptcies, especially in the the public space, you know, public companies, they go bankrupt. There's negotiation with creditors, and the creditors usually come out uh, with, or you come back with a new capital structure. That's why, if you look at like Delta Airlines, the chart only goes back to 2007. Well, Delta's been around for a long, long time. But guess what? It was a different shareholders back then because they went bankrupt and they came out and they issued new shares and the bondholders were uh, in a lot of cases equity holders of the new business okay and that's how that worked right and so this is what debtor in possession does it helps these companies move into a new capital structure with a lot less debt and typically new equity holders. And what's happening right now is that in recent weeks, an oil driller, restaurant operator, and movie theater supplier were all in debtor uh, and possession loans, right? And they were trying to come out of it. And actually, these debtor and possession 
lenders lost money because they didn't get as much for their assets as they expected, right? When they sold off assets and, and, and restructured the business and they weren't able to actually pay off the debtor in possession in full. And typically these are very safe loans. Debtor in possession loans are, tend to be pretty safe, even though they come with about a 10% uh, yield on them. Uh, and this is going to make it harder for companies to get dip financing and come out the other end without liquidating. Because that's really the other alternative. If you can't continue operations, you cease operations, you sell assets, and now the company is dissolved and gone. You might uh, sell off trademarks, things like that, and that money goes to bondholders, etc. And the company might look like it's still alive. Like Quicksilver is a good example. It went bankrupt. Uh, it, it got bought by actually a Chinese company, and now it just licenses the Quicksilver name for clothes, Roxy, you know, for clothes and, and stores, etc. So that's a good example of that. But this is a, a an issue here: is that if the economic backdrop is so poor that you can't get dip financing instead of liquidate or instead of reorganization, which would keep jobs. You have to turn to Chapter 7 liquidation, and suddenly those jobs are gone. So very interesting uh, turn of events recently. Something to watch to see if these uh, dip lenders are continuing to take losses. And if so, that could mean less Chapter 11s and more Chapter 7s. Now we're getting more caller voice bank questions than ever, so let's keep things moving. And that call, This call came in earlier at 888 chart Hey, this is Jared from Athens, Georgia, longtime listener. On Monday's podcast, Justin mentioned that the Fed increasing their balances to five trillion and said to go over, you know, ten trillion by the end of the year. He said that he didn't think that this would, you know, cause inflation. But I mean, how would it not? Like, how is this not prolonging the inevitable? Like, um, I mean. What can this cause in the long run with the Fed just printing money like this? I'll be listening for your response on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Well, one reason that it doesn't cause inflation is because a lot of this money is just simply not going out there into the economy, and all it's doing is plugging the funding hole of debt in the, in the marketplace, right? Uh, they're expanding their balance sheet, and they're buying debt, uh, but they're, you know that debt just needs to be rolled over, Right. Uh, because the company can't pay it back in full. So uh, that's a lot of the reason why it doesn't create inflation in the near term. But I do think long term it will uh, cause inflation. And I think the bigger driver, though, inflation is what I'm calling deglobalization. I've been, I'm saying this is a trend since Trump got elected because a lot of businesses are moving away, moving their supply chains away from China into other maybe allied countries and in Asia moving production to Mexico and even some back here to the United States. And now with this, and you're looking at face masks and all these critical elements, uh, I think you're going to start to see a lot of government's contracts for production of crucial goods here in the United States. And then also other companies just simply finding incentives or governments incentivizing companies to bring production back here in the United States, whether that's more tariffs. And I think this is a bipartisan thing. Remember, protectionism was never a Republican platform. Republicans have always been about free trade. Always, for many years, until Trump came along, and Trump is a populist, and his version of populism is enacting tariffs. And once again, this isn't a political thing. This is just I'm just stating facts here. And so I, I can't imagine that whoever is the candidate for the Democrats are going to be strongly against that. I think they're going to want to 
quote unquote, rebuild the, rebuild the middle class because that's what they talk about all the time. And they're going to maybe try to do it in a different way than tariffs, but I think they're still going to have the ultimate goal of getting production back here in the United States. And what that's going to do, it's going to drive up the price of certain goods. Now, I think we'll still make TVs and a lot of computers, iPhones, for example. A lot of products will still be made overseas, right? Especially non-essential products. But uh, a lot of the, the, the the production that we've outsourced to other countries are either going to go, I think, to allies. I think we're going to revisit TPP, help with infrastructure, and make mini Chinas in allied countries in Asia. Think Taiwan, think uh, South Korea, think uh, even even uh, Japan, uh, other countries that have good demographics and cheap labor. I think you're going to see mini Chinas spring up with the help of the United States, and then also some onshoring of certain goods as well. So, which was likely going to drive. Uh, and inflation overall. So I think that's going to be a bigger driver than the Fed printing money. But eventually what needs to happen is uh, the dollar needs to be no longer the world, the reserve currency for that inflation to really, uh, the dollar to really drop in value. And as long as we're the reserve currency, I don't see the dollar dropping dramatically in value. But there can be other drivers of inflation, which would be this supply or cost push inflation. Now, I think we can squeeze in one more caller question before the break at 888 chart Hey, my name's Alex from Portland, Oregon. I was wondering what you guys think of Boeing right now. Is there an opportunity to buy at these low prices, or do you think it's going to keep on falling? Thank you. Bye. Uh, Boeing, I do not like Boeing. Uh, I think they're in big, big trouble. They came into this with a bad balance sheet. They bought back $60 billion worth of stock, and now they're asking for a $60 billion bailout. They got $16 billion in this recent bailout. I don't know if they're going to get more money, uh, but you have counterparties, uh, your, your airlines, that are going to either renege on some of their orders. They're not going to order more. Uh, there's just a lot of headwinds for this, as well as the 736 MAX debacle. I actually think bank, uh, Boeing will go bankrupt, and it'll be a dip situation. They'll get dip financing. They'll come out the other end, because Boeing is still has still a lot of great assets, and, and it's, a, it's a great business, but they've layered on too much debt in a very, very tough environment, and they're going to struggle under the weight of that. So I, don't not, I do not think Boeing is a good buy. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. So our work continues after this last break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, a mortgage company CEO is warning that the coronavirus effect could be far deeper than the subprime crisis of 2008. Is he right? That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. I have a question regarding the company Zoom Video Communications, ZM. wanted to get your opinion on the stock and was looking to see what a good entry point would be and what the outlook is for the company. Thank you for all that you do on your show. I'll be listening for the answer on a podcast. Thanks again. 
All right, looking at Zoom communication, and this is one of those names that it's just—it's been caught up in the fervor of uh, of all this that everyone's been using Zoom, and you know they, they've certainly been adding more users than uh, than a lot of other platforms. But uh, I don't think their technology is uh, exactly proprietary. You know, for example, we use uh, we use Jive for our VoIP voice over internet protocol, which uh, was bought by Log Me In, which actually was just bought into. December by uh, another uh, private equity firm for, for about $4 billion in cash. And they actually rolled out a feature that's very similar to Zoom. Uh, and so we're obviously using that. And I don't think there's uh, any proprietary, much proprietary sauce. Now, they, they do it well. Um, but I think uh, other companies, Microsoft, et cetera, are going to copy. And, and I'm seeing they're copying it pretty well uh, on other platforms uh, with Skype or uh, Microsoft Teams. And so I don't see a secret sauce here. And I think uh, the mom- from a momentum perspective, you know, technically it's strong and the momentum likely will continue in the near term. Uh, so I could see it having another resurgence. You hit some support over the last couple of days and you had a nice bounce today. But from a valuation standpoint, it's way, way overvalued. $35 billion market cap on revenue last quarter of only $183 billion, or million dollars, sorry, not billion, million dollars. So, you know, I, I see the value uh, half this of where it's at at 124 if, if you're lucky. So um, if, if you're looking for a short-term trade uh, using the 20-day moving average and the recent low uh, of a you know three days ago as a good out, I think that's not a bad thing. But from a long-term buy perspective, it's way, way overvalued at these levels, way too much hype around it. Uh, and I don't think their secret sauce is you know, as fantastic as, as everybody is, is touting it to be. So, and what, basically what I'm saying is I don't think there's a moat around the business. I think they're just going to be another player. They're just the hot player right now. And hot players right now, uh, tend to fade over time unless they have a secret sauce. And I don't think they have one. So that's, uh, that's zoom. Now let's uh, touch quickly on target dated funds. And this has been a, a good example of what happens, uh, how, showing you how different target dated funds can be. And uh, what, what I'm highlighting here are two different funds uh, from T. Rowe Price uh, and J.P. Morgan. T. Rowe Price's 2020 target dated fund, basically people are retiring this year, had 55% allocation to equities. Whereas the J.P. Morgan target dated fund in 2020 only has 33% allocated equity. So you can see their, their, their performance is very different since the beginning of the year. Whereas the T. Rowe price is down about, uh, let's see, 14% for the year at the end of the third quarter. The JP Morgan is only down 10%. And so it shows you that the glide paths can be very, very different for these different funds and have very different risk characteristics. And so a lot of money is going into uh, these funds because uh, they've become what is called QDIA qualified default investment option uh, in a lot of these 401k plans. And a lot of people rely on them. In fact, about 30% of 401k assets last year were in these targeted funds, as opposed to only 17% in 2014. So you can see how fast they've grown since uh, a lot of these companies are adopting these QDIs as targeted funds, and they've become the de facto pension plans. And it just shows you that you you can't rely on them for 
reducing volatility. They just have their, their standard glide path. And, and if you want to lower your volatility, these aren't really the, the names for you because they're typically going to be very heavy, heavy equity. So you need to know what's under the hood and you need to know that's appropriate for you. Maybe it is appropriate for you. Maybe they do work for you, but you really need to understand what you're investing in. It's not just this, uh, you know, this fund that works perfectly in all markets. They all have a level of risk and you need to understand what that is and whether your glide path makes sense for you. And, you know, I think it's better to be looking at great funds, great managers, great investments outside of these vehicles. Uh, you can do much, much better. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Monday and the markets will be closed tomorrow, but Steve will be hosting a new live program tomorrow. So be ready for that. And please remember that you can tell your friends about Invest Talk and you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.